welcome to another exciting episode of PlayStation Universe's Racial Diversity Gaming Hour. This is the number one racially diverse podcast on the internet today. With us for episode two, a great exciting time, is the commissioner, Glenn Gordon. How are you doing tonight, Glenn? Good. Sorry. Um, oh, just a second. I'm eating a granola bar because mm-hmm. I haven't eaten since seven this morning. Because I'm a college student. Oh, come, come back to me. Just a okay, so Glenn <laughs> is eating. Uh, next, we have Mr. KGB himself, Gary. How are you doing, Gary? I'm pretty good. How are you today, Dane? I am doing so good that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce your last name because I would butcher it. <laughs> that's that's so fine. Bad. So you're just it's just Gary. It's KGB Gary. There you go. That yeah. works. First name KGB, last name Gary. There you go, KGB Gary. Or if this was Asia, Gary KGB. Oh, there you go. Either way it works. Um, so, thank you for joining us again for another great episode. Uh, today we are going to talk about RPGs. Everyone loves them, hates them, thinks of stuff in between. I'm sure there are a lot of RPG fans. Listening to the show today, and what more of a, of a diverse genre there is than the RPG? Isn't that right, Gary? Yes, that's very much correct. Short and simple. <laughs> <laughs> so the first topic I want to start us out with is, to me, I think the bane of RPGs is. The fact that so many of them have so many characters that we can never use. Uh, for example, uh, you play any Final Fantasy game, they have 5, 6, 7, 8, 12 characters, but you can only have a party of 3 or 4 at max. And that's basically standard for almost every RPG, except for Project Cross Zone, which is a 3DS RPG that mixes characters from Sega, uh, Namco Bandai, uh, who else is in it? Capcom, and like a bunch of other companies for Japanese games we never heard about. And in that, there's like 40, 50, 60, I don't know how many characters, but you have to use them all. They made the game so that every character has to be used in like a Final Fantasy Tactics style combat. Uh, so no one's left out. So there's no wasted space. So my question to you guys, and we'll start with the commissioner, because he uh, finished his snack. Am I correct? Yes, I'm, I'm back. I'm All right. So my question to you, Glenn, is why do you think there is such a huge array of characters that we never get to use? And why do you think companies keep giving us these party limits and then overinflate the cast? Um diversity I, mm-hmm. I'd imagine because when, as you were speaking I was thinking actually of persona mm-hmm. um, because I, I was I was originally thinking well persona doesn't do that you know you get a bunch of characters and you interact with them all but when you go into a dungeon you're only allowed to take up to four characters at a time and so you know you usually take your favorites and some get left out mm-hmm. um, I think that they give you so many characters because of diversity. Because they could just give you four characters and say, well, you're done. But eventually you might get bored with those four characters, 
or those four characters might not have the right kind of play style with the right kind of move set for a situation. So um, they offer, I think they offer that so that you have more choices as far as what you need. Um, as far as the limit goes, um, I think that they give you the limit because, especially in turn-based RPGs like Persona or Final Fantasy, your turn can just get obscenely long, and then, you know, by the time you're done giving attacks from eight different people, you know, the character's dead and you haven't really had much of a fight. You can just win things kind of easily. It makes you kind of overpowered. So um, that's kind of why I think they do that. I think, do I agree with it? It depends on the game. Um, I think for games like Final Fantasy and like Persona, it's important um, maybe Persona a little less so. You could probably get away with another character or two in there. But um, for, for a lot of turn-based games and um, RTS-type games, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's kind of important. All right, Gary, what are, your, what are your thoughts about it? I think, it, oh, like Glenn said, it's diversity, and I also think it's uh, the type of, like, backstory that companies can put in to, to certain characters. Like, if you look at games like Final Fantasy, you know, all the characters in that game have their own good backstory that people want to want to invest time in, and they enjoy playing with those characters. Whereas other games, and I'm sorry to do this, Dane, because I love these games just as much as you do, but the 600 plus Suai Coden characters that you can acquire throughout all the games are just useless. Why do you hate that game so much now, Gary? I don't hate that. You I hurt my soul game. saying that. You hurt my soul. But, but that game is a prime example of you have, like, the main characters who have, you know, their stories and you're invested in them. But then there is the 106 or 105 other characters you can get that are pretty much pointless and they all play the same. Well, see, this is where I disagree with you on this, about them being pointless. I think this is maybe my main point. Like, so Coden, yes, you can only have six characters at a time, more for Sokoden Tactics, and only four for Sokoden 4, technically. But all those other extra ones, they actually have a use in the game. Either uh, they're even just the guy who gives you the armor or a mini game, or they can be used in the army battles. So even though the cast is bloated... They actually still have a use, but compared to Final Fantasy, Persona, any other random game, it's like, oh, I don't like these five guys, so I'll never use them, so I play the entire game without... They do nothing. They just sit there and always stay level one because I can never use them for anything because I don't like them, so I'm never going to use them instead of some mechanic forcing me to use them. Well, well, to to me personally, it's it's about the character's story, and and if I want to become invested in in those characters, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, Project Exone has all these characters, and most of them I know, and I like most of these characters, so I would probably use them. But like you said, you kind of don't have a choice, and I think that's cool that they did that. That they make you play with all the other characters. Whereas, take a game like Final Fantasy Tactics, you get a bunch of characters you can use. But they're mostly just classes, you know. There's the white mage, the black mage. They have no personality outside of the main cast, so I don't really care. So when I play a game like that, I would pretty much just use the same characters over and over instead of 
you know, grabbing this guy who is level one and trying to level him up when I have a guy who's level fifteen instead. It's it's actually more than just um RPGs that use that kind of style of of just like Borderlands for instance, you have a few different classes and instead of playing you know, those classes are represented by characters, but um it, those characters aren't unique to you. Everyone can play them. And so um let's see, Team Fortress does the same, you know, there's the heavy and the medic and um I don't know, it's kind of a popular well I not maybe not popular, but it's a pretty well used style. Well, I think the difference between an RPG and a game like Team Fortress, right, is like those are first-person shooters or uh, third-person shooters where you can only be one person ever. It's not yeah. like a team. It's not like here's my squad and stuff. So it's a bit – it's kind of like what Gary was saying before. Or I think it was you who were saying it that everyone has a different play style, so I want to be a sniper, so I will be the sniper because I can only yeah. be one person. Whereas like almost every RPG, it's like here's your group of three. Pick from a group of 12. And, you know, as I say again, I don't care about the rest. Now, games try and fix it, like Final Fantasy 3, a.k.a. 6. You know, you got, what, 12, 14, 16 characters in that game? But at least there's, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Why can't I remember this word? Uh, mechanics. There we go. Game mechanics that force you... Or give you, I should not, maybe not say force, but give you the opportunity to use more than the standard four that you like all the time. So they're getting some type of love in instead of just taking up room on the list and stuff like that. So maybe it's a pet peeve of mine. Maybe it's a pet peeve. So uh, fans and viewers, tweet us. Tweet me, at files at Twitter, and tell us, what do you think? Do you like the fact that you have... 12 characters and you can only use three or four at a time or uh, do you like that so let us uh, let us know what you think about so do you guys have any more thoughts about that before we move on to a different subject or yeah actually um, the tales games it's been a long time since I've played a tales game the last one I actually played was tales of Symphonia on the Wii mm-hmm Excuse me. I, I I remember it being a little different because I know it's not turn based. I know it's um, real time. So and, and if I'm not mistaken, you can um, kind of uh, switch between characters in the game, or or do you just play the same character every time? Oh, I forget. You I, can I, switch characters. You can switch characters. Yeah, so you can switch anybody that's on the battlefield and use them when you're when you're playing the game. So something like that could actually use that kind of system to its advantage because um, if it's real-time and it's not turn-based, then you can introduce as many enemies or, or whatnot as you need to counter the number of players um, in your squad. And it's all real-time, so you can switch between the roles as you need them. So if you need a healer or something, you can um, go over to your healer and say, okay, heal everybody, and then go right back to your, your DPS. So I, I think a, a system like that could really use, um, maybe not a really blow, not, not a particularly bloated uh, lineup of cast members, but they can use um, some more than other turn-based type styles. So do you think then that they keep the party level or party size so small is because people would just be bored? And it's like, here's my six guys against... <laughs> 
one unit, and then even if I have six characters in my team, maybe only two get to fight before the enemy's dead, mm-hmm. as opposed to the other, like, for example, Tales of Symphonia, which is real-time, uh, or Final Fantasy Tactics, which is, or Fire Emblem, which has, uh, which is turn-based strategy, so you can have more people. Yeah, I, I think, I think so. I think it's all about balance. Mm-hmm. And I think if they just have, you know, a couple enemies against a team of six and eight, it's just gonna get ridiculous. Like your turns will be long, and, um, chances are by the time your team's taking its turn, unless you go back and forth and, you know, one player, one, um, one character gets a turn and then another character gets a turn and then the enemy, and then you come back to your team, um, unless you had something like that going on, it would probably be too easy to defeat an enemy if you have that many people on your team. So I think it's about balance more than anything. Yeah, that's what I'm getting a hold of uh, or getting the handle of in Project Exode is just the scope and the size of battles because of how many units you have. So I, sh- I guess I should go into context because have you played Project Exode, Glenn? I've not. Have you played it, Gary? Uh, yeah, I played it on my friend's 3DS. Okay, so you know how it works. So, so all the fans listening... Uh, Project Exome is its turn-based strategy RPG, so just like uh, Final Fantasy Tactics or Shining Force or Fire Emblem, that type of system. And so all your units are pairs. And so, for example, like Ryu and Ken, they're a unit. You can't separate them. They're just, there's your unit of two. And then you have a bunch of other characters that are just singles, which you can pair up with pairs to make trios. Uh, so, for example, Trombon from Mega Man Legends is just a single unit, and so you can pair her up with Ryu and Ken to make a trio, or leave her and put her with someone else. So, like, right now, I'm on stage 13, and there's, like, 60-some different units on the field, including enemies. I was just like, wow, That's this good. is going to be a long stage. Because <laughs> there's like 12 for me. There's like 12 units uh, of pairs and trios for me alone, 12 or 13. And then there's like 40 plus for the enemy. And so what they do is like you said balance. Well, here's your balance is uh, they have more units than you, which is typical, and they have a hell of a lot more health than you. So all the, And there's five bosses on this one stage. Five bosses. That was awesome, though, because I, I I know the combat system in the game is really good. Yeah, and so the, the combat is it's not like where it's just like Fire Emblem or Shining Force or any others where it's you pick your unit, you move them, you press A, and then they do their damage. Of course they do that, but instead it goes to a different screen, and then you have to... Um, it's time-based, so you press your... For example, just A, they do a bunch of attack animations, and then you have to time it into another attack that do chains and stuff to get around armor, and it's it actually keeps you focused on the combat instead of just zoning out like, okay, come on, let's get this battle over with. <laughs> um, it keeps you invested in it, which is insane, but, I mean, I'm on stage 13. Uh, spoiler alert... Jill and Chris from Resident Evil are in this game, but I have still not gunning them yet. 
So there's them, and then there's others that are talked about that have still not popped up. And my cast is already, like, over 30. I think it's 40 at the moment. And so I'm like, how many more people are in this game? <laughs> and so is am I going to reach a stage where it's like, here's 100 units in the battle, which would be awesome. But it's just, the scope is just in, incredibly crazy. Gary, how far did you get into it? Did I didn't. It? No, no, I just played it like my friend just handed it to me and I played it a little bit, so. Did you have Jill and Chris yet in uh, it? No, he was, he, I think he was farther than you and he still didn't have them. Like, I, I, this is the hilarious thing about it and um, I know I'm going on a tangent so I'll hand it to you in a second, Gary. But I, one of the first reasons I got a 3DS was my buddy, Daniel, who went to TGS with me. He, he brought his along and he was playing Fire Emblem Awakening and it looked cool. And I, and I admit I didn't know m- many games that were on the 3DS and he said, oh, there's this one. And so, you know what? If there was a, a Resident Evil RPG, I would buy that. And so he looks on the internet and it's like, hey, how about this Project Cross Zone, which has Jill and Chris in it from Resident Evil? And I'm like, okay, I'm now buying a 3DS so I can play this. But they're not here yet. I got them for one mission. What was it? Mission two. They show up to do a game mechanic, and then because of the storyline, they disappear. And I've still not found them yet. And I'm like, I don't care about these other people. I don't know where these games are from. I just want them. You I mean, I'm, I'm probably... And yeah, I've got in Dante. I've got in Dante before them. I'm probably going to get Arthur from Ghouls and Ghosts before I get <laughs> Jill and Chris. Because Arthur's around. They keep talking about him. And I'm like, where is this guy? He's not showing up. I just got two guys from Valkyria Chronicles 2 of all games. Those guys are in the game? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. There's not the first Valkyria Chronicles, but Valkyria Chronicles 2, the oh, PSP on game. Too, yeah. Yeah, so I'm guessing those are the two, I'm guessing they're the two main characters from it, but I mean, they have the dot hack, they got Kite and Black Rose from the dot hack series, um, Chun-Li, Morgan, Ryu, Ken, um, bunch of other games that I've never even heard of that are Japanese specific. But the scope's awesome, and I love the fact I have to use them all, even though some of the characters I don't care about, but, it's at least they're of use. Um, yeah. So what are, what are, do you, is, are you make am I making you want to buy this game now, Glenn? Or are you like, Pfft. um, uh, honestly, I don't think my perspective has changed. I just really haven't heard of it before. Go watch some videos of it. Go watch some videos of it. Hey, I, I'm a cause. I don't, I don't even get to watch TV. Like I've got Hulu. I've got Hulu here in my dorm room. I used to have Netflix, but I don't watch a lot of movies. I don't have time, you know, and that's that's all. <laughs> it's, it's Ryu and Ken in an RPG. I mean, if that doesn't make you buy it for Street Fighter fans or a lot of fans, <laughs> you'd be like, nothing will. No, there I is, mean, I'd there buy is it if you had in it. I, maybe Zangief is in it later, Chun-Li is in it, so I, you never I know. From Tekken is in it, and I think that's the only wrestler they have. Who from Tekken? King? They have King and Nina from Tekken in that game. Oh, well, I just see, I never even got them yet, so there's and, and two I think more. And in there as well. You, you, you want to know who else is there? I'm sorry I cut you off again, uh, Glenn. They had, uh, 
His name is Bon B A H N from Crimson Vipers or something. That is awesome. Uh, from which is like a Sega Saturn fighter. So I'm like, yeah, they've only had one game of it that I, as far as I know of in the West, but they're in it. So I'm just like, what is this? So yeah, sorry I cut you off there, Glenn. That's okay. I kind of forgot what I was saying. So. <laughs> okay. So along that vein, then, because I'm talking about all these. Well, characters. hold on. I wanted I wanted to ask one question from both. Okay. Guys. Like you said, like if you have like a cast of twelve characters, I, you only care about using four. You know. Well, uh, mm-hmm. my my question is to both of you guys: Would would you care more about using the other characters, like? More if they had permadeath like Fire Emblem does. Like, what do you mean? Like, you know how in Fire Emblem, if your character dies in that game, he's gone. Yes. Forever. Yeah. Like, if say you were playing, you know, Final Fantasy, for example, you know, you have twelve characters in your party. You know, would you care more about you know taking the four guys you always play with and start putting in the other guys more often in case they die? No. No, I, I think I'd be more concerned because I don't, re- I wouldn't really want to lose anyone. So I'd probably want to take the guys that I know I'm good at every time so that there's no, or, or well, less risk of, of losing someone. <laughs> yeah, I agree with Glad on that because I mean, if there's nothing, there's no mechanic that is giving me a benefit for being anyone else. I mean, the permadeath is kind of like, preventing me from wanting to be anyone else because if it's always the same four like it is like sometimes Fire Emblem at least with Awakening it's it it goes up like sometimes you can use nine sometimes you can only use seven or it it changes but if it's always the same amount well I'm just going to pick the same guys because those are the ones with all the higher levels and aren't going to die on me so uh, so it would just force me to just play with the same guys even more what if it was a game like Final Fantasy Tactics, though? Well, Final Fantasy Tactics does have permadeath in it. Yeah, that's true, it does. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's the same thing, right? It's I just pick the, the same characters that I like all the time because I have a limit. So I'm not going to want to waste time on someone else um, and use them. Uh, but to with respect to Final Fantasy Tactics, see, at least in Final Fantasy Tactics... Even though I can have a bloated cast, they can be used for other things other than just in combat, which is, I guess, what I was talking about with Swakoden. So at least, even if I don't want to use them, or I can't use them, or I don't like them, they're usable in some way. Like, in Final Fantasy Tactics, you can send them on those those guild missions to do stuff. So actually, they have a purpose. Whereas, you know... If I don't like Bit, or if I don't like Tifa, or I don't like Red at Red Thirteen in Final Fantasy Seven, well then they have no purpose. They're just chaff to the side. So okay, makes sense. Glenn, yeah, I kind of agree. It's to tell the truth. Um, goodness, my favorite kind of RPG is JRPG so far. Uh, and I don't know, RPG is, is kind of a generalization in itself because RPGs tend to be so different even among their own genre. So it's hard to say that in every situation I want something one way. 
but in general, I, I feel like I agree with you guys. So. I just hate that how some games that I like, where there's tons of characters that I like, there's such a small cap, and I'm like, crap, who do I play with now? I mean, like, um, what was it? Mass Effect 3. When I was doing the Platinum for that, I'm like, I really like Ashley, but her character is completely useless on playing on hard because she gives me no buffs whatsoever. So I have to use, what's his name? Um, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, the actor. The, the, the buff dude. The actor. Yeah, I forget. He's a famous actor who plays like the buff marine. Marine? What? John Cena? What? Not John Cena. Um, in Mass Effect 3, you know. Who's the marine that's with you? Um. He's at like the very start of the game who joins you. Oh! Oh! Wait. Uh. Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince Jr., that was it. His name's James or something like that. Yeah, but the actor is Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. And so I was just, so it's like, oh well, Freddie Prince Jr. is a better character because he gives me an armor and shield buff than Ashley, and I'm playing it on hard. So James Vega, that's his James, name. James, yeah, Vega. So um, I find that sad sometimes. I was like, man, why can't I have four characters? Um, so now I can play Ashley instead of just now she's useless. Yeah. In that case, if I played it on easy, then I'd be like, well, it doesn't matter. But on I, hard. I think it might be a military thing because I know that um, in military, it's pretty common to use three-man teams for certain jobs. Yeah. Damn real life video <laughs> games. But I mean, it's not like you control them anyways, so... Like, no, for the most part, no. So they could just run around and just make the HUD smaller, and you could just have all six. You get Garrus and um, um, ta- uh, everyone else in there. Just have the whole group, whole gangs there. <laughs> um, but speaking of that, um, Gary, your suggestion for the show was overrated and underrated characters in RPGs. So let's go with that now. Um, so we'll kick it off to you, Gary, first, since it was your topic. Who do you think... We'll go with overrated first. Who's your overrated villain? Top three overrated villains. You're on oh, the spot. Top three? Oh, jeez. Top Thanks. three. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, in order, I would go Sephiroth. Would you guys consider Ganon? Is this is is Sephiroth number one for most yes. overrated or third overrated? Most overrated. Oh, okay, well now we don't care about two and three. You already got number one. <laughs> okay, so okay. Sephiroth, and then would you consider Zelda an RPG? No, no. See now you ruined everything. Uh, it has to be in an RPG. Yeah, it has to be an RPG. It's the RPG show, Glenn. It's got to be an RPG. <laughs> so. That's... I don't consider Zelda an RPG because there's no XP. If there's no XP, it's not an RPG. Simple guideline. Well, that's my guideline. Now it's your list. If you want to consider Zelda an RPG, then go to town. Okay. Well, gee, most of my guys will probably be through Final uh, Fantasy then, because I don't think other RPGs have very many overrated characters. 
See, now I have to think about it. I was only thinking of the one. See, I'm, I'm throwing uh, haymakers out there, some curveballs for you. Nice. Got to be on your toes. <laughs> okay, so you said Sephiroth is number one. Yes. Glenn, what? we'll start off with your number one. For RPGs. And villain. Overrated villain. In RPGs. Yes. Uh, you keep saying RPG like it's well, it's is magically going to change to like first person shooters or something. Well, no, it's just I wasn't expecting it to be specific to RPGs. Um, overrated villain. I'll I'll go with Sephiroth as well. Sephiroth. So two yeah. for Sephiroth. Two for Sephiroth. And now, sadly, Ernest isn't with us because he's sick. So, um, I have no clue who he would pick. Probably some. I don't know. Does he even? I don't even think Ernest plays RPGs. But um, I want to. Before I give you my answer, I want to know, Glenn, why are you picking Sephiroth? Why am I picking Sephiroth? Yes. It's kind of. I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling with this because, uh, as far as RPG villains go, most of them don't really strike me, at least the ones I know, don't really strike me as particularly overrated. Um, let's see. Okay, so since you're having such a hard time... I am. Villains in general. Villains in general? Okay. Um, I'll say that my number one overrated villain would be Bowser. From Mario. Because the guy is somehow one of the most celebrated villains around. And it's... He he doesn't do much. Like, he takes the princess... The same princess every time to a castle to do what? Who knows? She's usually just standing there. And then Mario comes, chucks a couple fireballs at him, and he falls into the lava, and he's done. Oh, until the next level when he repeats the whole process. I mean, the guy's the guy's okay. He's one of the iconic villains of the uh, gaming world, but I think he's way too overrated. So his ineffectualness of getting his the job done. He doesn't do a thing. Yeah. He's like the nicest villain, though. I would totally be okay with Bowser. <laughs> just okay. takes to his castle, lets you hang out. What's wrong with that? I guess for I guess for an RPG, my um, overrated villain would. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go back to Persona. Oh. I'm, I'm going to say my overrated villain is shoot. Actually, I can't say it because it would spoil the entire game. Oh, no, no, no. You're not going there, are you? No. No, 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 no. How is he overrated? Or she, because you don't want to spoil it. Well, you already... <laughs> but, okay, it's... spoiler alert, spoiler alert. It, the game's been out for five years. When did the game come out? 2008? Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> if someone's pissed that we spoiled it, the game came out five years ago. I'm sorry. Well, no, no one's, no one's, um, nothing's really been spoiled yet. But I think, 
I think there's more than one over really. I think the main guy is or, or person is kind of <laughs> is kind of overrated because he really didn't do that much either. Like he, I can't say anything about him because. <laughs> Everything okay. This is all I've got. The guy from Persona. All right, I can't. I can't spoil it. Four, four. (laughs) Persona four. Talking (laughs) about Persona one. There's more than one Persona. No, not Persona one. The guy from Persona four, and I can't really say anything about about it because really, saying that saying listing any one thing he did that makes him a villain kind of spoils the entire game. Um, so, uh, but there are, there are a couple others, uh, a couple of the dungeons, the, the really creepy dude in the game dungeon in Persona 4, I think he was overrated, um, a little bit because, uh, his, the size of what he did compared to the size of what the actual villain was doing, um, really kind of paled in comparison. And they they made a they made a bit of a deal about it for a while. Um, I, I know the purpose of why they did what they did, but um, he's pretty overrated. I'm thinking over. I'm I'm processing everything I'm saying to make sure there aren't any spoilers. It's, now, it's a really good game. Now, okay, here's I'm gonna try to unspoil this or say yeah. this without spoilers. But <laughs> have you played Golden? Or- yes, I love it. Okay, so have you? Now, okay, everyone should know there's multiple endings with that game. That's not a spoiler. That's just a fact. Did you intentionally get the worst ending? Um, not, no. Not the Persona, not the PS2 worst ending, but the Golden Specific worst ending. I didn't realize there was a Golden Specific worst. If you get that, then you realize how you're going to take this back. You're his overratedness. Really? Because his 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 or her, it's okay. It, it, it's a it's a guy. Okay, we know it's, it's a, a guy. guy. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's always a guy. It's always a guy. Yeah. Damn sexist games. Why is it always a guy? Um, sometimes it's the girl. <laughs> who knows? Um, it's always the guy. Only but... in Final Fantasy is it the girl? <laughs> is it only in Final Fantasy? Well. Nino Kune, Wrath of the White Witch, was a female. Spoiler! I'm downloading it right now. What? That's like in the trailer, man. I never watched the trailer. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. You'll see it in like the third cutscene. If it's like, if it's, if you say it's like his mother or something, then I'll be it's like, it's in the title. It is in the title, Dave. Well, it could have been, it could have been ambiguous. It could have just no. been the translation went wrong, right? <laughs> So, uh, it could have been a fake, a fake enemy, right? Well, hey, hey, in my defense, you said spoilers like four minutes ago. That's so. true. I should not be a hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, um, what was I talking about? Oh, yes. That person's ending in Golden will make you show how much of a villain he really is. So. Huh. It's really, I did not know that it existed. I'm on like a Persona Golden group, uh, on Facebook for laughs or whatever, but someone posted, uh, like a snapshot of that, of like one of the screens from that ending. And I never knew. I thought it was fake. 
but it was real because I didn't know there was a second. There's an they added a new ending to Golden, so I only pl- I only beat it on the PS2. So mm-hmm. and it totally makes the game make so much more sense if you want to go evil. And by evil, I mean completely incompetent. So you have to really <laughs> you have to be like super. They basically heavy rained it. Is what they did. They heavy oh, rained no. it. They heavy rain that ending good. I mean, <laughs> it was crazy. It's, it's just it's just that the reason I tend to go for the um, good ending more is because if I'm not if I'm not incorrect, if you go for the bad ending, the game ends very shortly afterward. And I I could be wrong. No, you're right, um, but that's the original PS2 version. The golden it, one adds something. The golden one adds some more. So, spoilers. Hold your ears for five seconds, because otherwise yeah. this will make sense. Just skip ahead about okay. 30 seconds. 30 <laughs> seconds, yeah. And spoilers for Heavy Rain. Well, not, because if you read the trophy list for Heavy Rain, it's pretty obvious. That entire trophy list for Heavy Rain spoils the game completely. Um, okay, so spoilers. Spoilers. If you, if, you don't, if you don't want spoilers, skip ahead 30 seconds starting... No. Yeah. Uh, in Heavy Rain, there's a trophy for doing everything you can to help the villain win, and they let you do that in Persona 4 Golden. And you really? Get, you get an entirely different ending where you know that this person, I almost said the person's name, you know this person is, is the villain, but you do everything you can so that the person gets away, and then it totally goes like crazy. So, it's that's insane. It you. So it's okay. that was a really good explanation. You didn't spoil anything. You just said in general. Yeah. I wrote a book. But, I had to learn how to talk without spoilers. But for, those who, but for those who did skip ahead, welcome back to the racial diversity <laughs> gaming hour. Yes, exactly. Just so you know, we didn't spoil anything. So no, didn't except Nino Cooney. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. <laughs> Uh, well, so I'm sorry Russia, if I spoiled the title. Spoils game you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So okay, here's here's my villain. You guys said you said so and so, Glenn. You said Sephiroth. I'm going old school. I am going. I don't even know why this person gets any credit for being a good villain. I'm going with Kafka from Final Fantasy Three. What? I, the first time I played that game, I did not take that person seriously whatsoever. I'm like, the dude is a clown. He's literally a clown. He's literally a clown. <laughs> I did not take him seriously at all. I was like, this guy is a total douchebag. And I'm like, whatever. Uh, the only time he comes into any sort of badassery is the f- final ending. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I don't want to talk about spoilers now. The game's been out since 1994, and I still can't talk about spoilers. If, okay, if people haven't played Final Fantasy 3 or 6, um, that's too bad for them. Yeah, the game is out on Android right now. You can play it. Yeah, so. it looks shitty on Android, too. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Just so you know, Dane, 6 is what I'm going to call it. It's my favorite Final Fantasy. 6, it's 3. Right, maybe in Soviet Russia they said six, but here in Canada, in Japan it was six. Okay. <laughs> well, in North America they put it as three, so that's their own fault for deciding to. But, but now it's skip six. a now bunch of six. them. 
Yeah, I like I liked how it goes from Final Fantasy, then two, then three, then seven. <laughs> like here's North America. It's like where's four, five, and six? And then it's like, oh well, you know, no, you just skipped two, three, and five. It's like what? So um, numbers at the end of your games. Yeah, who who cares about numbers? I mean, let's... this is why Tales succeeds because they're not sequels. They're Games. Well, at all, so. as an aside, someone was someone did a, like a meme or a joke about um, Steam or a Valve, yeah, Valve, and how they never seem to want to do games in threes. It's like here's yeah. Half Life, Half Life Two, Portal, Portal Two, Team Fortress, Team Fortress Two, yeah. and so I joked, I wrote a comment and said, you know what, I bet you they're gonna troll everyone, and when they do make it three, they're just gonna call it four. <laughs> so here's Half Life Four. <laughs> so I, I I somehow see Gabe Newell doing that. Though. He seems like the kind of guy yeah. that would do that just for kicks and giggles. Yeah. When we make a game in three, we make it in fours. There we go. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I'm just like Kevin. He's so he's just I don't take him seriously. Like his whole persona is like. Yeah, he does evil stuff, but, like, I just don't take it seriously. He's a clown? He's a clown. He's literally... He's a, a gesture. He's a, oh, a gesture. He's a gesture. gesture, but he does it in such a way that I'm like, maybe because it's the lack of technology or the script <laughs> was just not as good, but I'm just like, oh, yeah, he just poisoned an entire castle. I, That's um, all that's, He's like the Joker in a way. But the Joker has, like, that persona. Like, this dude is just like, you know, I I lost, and so I'm going to bitch and have a hissy fit about it. And blame, <laughs> uh, blame, blame the foot soldier about the red shirt. It's the red shirt's fault that I lost. <laughs> I mean, he's like a pansy. He's a complete pansy. And then he gets his day and slaughters the emperor and cuts the world in half. And I'm like, well... Exactly. Wouldn't, a, wouldn't you say he's the most successful Final Fantasy villain? Well, to quote Ron Burgundy, <laughs> that escalated quickly. <laughs> his his dimension. Uh, most successful as in actually getting stuff done? Yeah. Uh, no. I would say that Golbez does the best in Final Fantasy 2. Golbez wasn't even a villain. He was. For half of the game. For all of the game except the very end. <laughs> Which technically doesn't make him a villain. But he was the villain for most of it. I mean, yeah. he ruled, he basically, he got, he had the main hero, hook, line, and sinker. Right? He Doing was being controlled. The main hero, not, not Kane, but Cecil. Or Cecil, as apparently it's pronounced, I, I read. Yeah. But Cecil. Well, I'm gonna call him Cecil. Yeah, I, I know. Cecil, I'm like, he's like, you know, do my bidding. And like, okay. So, Glenn. Sir. What do you think? Um, I don't know. I haven't played that game. You're missing out, man. You, you, yeah. you, you haven't played, do you play RPGs? Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I do. But I'm a college student, you know. So, but yeah, I love RPGs. I just haven't played 
the one that you're talking about. Final Fantasy, I've only played a few of them. My, my first Final Fantasy was actually um, 13, which almost turned me off the whole series, to be honest, because, goodness, the, the gameplay in 13 just bored me to tears. Um, but I have played through 10, and I've played through half of 7. And that is the extent of my Final Fantasy experience. Thirteen has lightning. That game is great alone, just for lightning. The game is great alone, but the thing about it is, my complaints fall right in line with everybody else's. I mean, the, the first thirty hours of the game, it's like, uh, okay, here's point A. Just follow this path. Okay, you don't want to fight this too bad. You're gonna fight it. Just follow this path. You can't jump. You can't move around. Just forward or backward. And you follow this path. And I, after 30 hours of it, I got to this uh, fight, boss fight. I think the guy's name was Sid. And I, I got to this boss fight, and I just got hopelessly stuck. And I sold the game and never picked it up again. I was done. Like, Because I, I heard that at 30 hours, it was supposed to open up and get a little better. When I got stuck at that boss fight, I was just like, it's not worth it. I'm done. And it's sad because I was actually enjoying the story. I was enjoying the characters. I was enjoying the story, but with gameplay like that, I, I couldn't take it. Um, and it, it's also it also kind of sucks because I really loved the um, battle, the combat system as well. Um, but um, in other news, I am really looking forward to Final Fantasy XV when it comes out. I am getting that game. It looks great. It did look good. I saw the trailers, one of the trailers at TGS, and it did look really good. Uh, no. That said, I I don't know you anymore, man. I don't know you. <laughs> I hate your... Although, granted, I'm probably one of the only people in the world or who doesn't speak ja- who's not Japanese who likes Final Fantasy 13. Yeah. Gary, I enjoy you enjoy it? I enjoy 13 too, all more, but 13 was. So I'm not. I'm not crazy then. Yeah, well, don't 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 think too poorly of me. You know, I've been exposed to Final Fantasy, and I, I like Final Fantasy, just not that one. <laughs> I, I would say starting at thirteen was probably not a good idea, but <laughs> well, you know, it, it was just one of those games that you know, like that movie everyone's seen that you're late to the party oh, for. Yeah. So, you know, I, someone was like, "You should try Final Fantasy," and I'm like, I had just gotten a PS3, so I was like, "Oh, well, you know, this one just came out. Let me try it," and. That was the result. <laughs> so, um, don't worry, I will, I will get there. Uh, there was also this Final Fantasy I played on, on, on PSP when I had a PSP, but it wasn't like the whole story, it was just combat basically. I forget what it's called. You would, you would go bananas to hear that I got three copies of Final Fantasy 13. Why did you get three? <laughs> you only need one. Um, well, did I tell you this story, Gary? I have no idea. I think I did. Let's hear it. Okay, so, when I was in Korea, I got, I, I bought it, uh, Final Fantasy 13, the first one. And a, a buddy from Canada mailed it to me because I couldn't get an English copy in Korea because all Japanese games are in Japanese in Korea. So all Final huh. Fantasy 13s were only in Japanese. They, they weren't dual coded. So he sent it to me and I had my PS3 up on the side, like old school PS2 version. So, for some reason, I accidentally knocked it over when it was oh. playing. When when the game, the system's not even on. Like the system was not even on. The red light was 
it was red lighted and it knocked over and then it just made this like crunching noise like something was being consumed in a meat grinder Mm -hmm. and I take out the disc and like literally a strip of it was came right off like it was see-through uh, like the silver on the bottom was just completely see-through now. And so I put it in and played. I was like, wow, the game still plays. Until I load the game onto a loading screen and then it freezes to the point where each time it kept saying, there was an error. We must check your system for errors now. Uh, please wait X amount of time. So then what happened was... Uh, I was on a different site, like a trophy hunting site, and I just, I didn't know if people knew that the game is still technically spinning when the system's not running or something. So I just posted it, and one of the guys said, hey, I'll send you a free copy, because he owns a gaming store, uh, like an EB in Australia. So he sent me a copy of Final Fantasy Thirteen to replace mine, but... I didn't really know him that well at the time, and I didn't know if it was complete BS. So my buddy in Korea is from the States, Daniel. He had it, and then he sold it to a gaming store in Daegu. And then I'm like, hey, when you go there again, can you see if it's still there? And it was. So he bought it back so I could buy it from him. So And then the game showed up from Australia. So I have a Canadian version I have a Canadian greatest hits version, an Australian version, and an American version of Final Fantasy thirteen. Oh my goodness. I know. <laughs> um, You're like the biggest fan of that game now. I, it's lightning. Lightning is I love lightning. She is one of my favorite characters of all time. Hmm. I just uh, Did you play thirteen too? I started it, but then I stopped because uh Tim is getting the review of Final Fantasy thir- of Lightning Returns. So I'm like, oh, there's no lightning in Final Fantasy 13 too. I don't care as much. Oh my god! So I'm going to once I get Lightning Returns, I'll play 13 too. It's just there's so many other games I had to play because of reviews that I, I had to put other time into other things. So oh, makes sense. So yeah. yeah. So yes. Uh, so viewers, do you like Lightning or Final Fantasy 13? Let us know on the Twitter Atlas <laughs> Files. Tell me if I'm crazy. Or if I just have crappy taste in RPGs. You're absolutely crazy. Or both. Or both. I think I've got another one. Okay. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and argue that Mass Effect is of sorts an RPG, even though its game style is third person shooter. It is an RPG. Um, Good. Shooter. Um I'm gonna go with underrated villain this time. I can't say his name, dang it. Um, <laughs> is it the same guy now? He's the most overrated, now underrated villain? No, um, it, of course it's a different guy. It's a different game, but... Uh, What's the game? Mass Effect. Just, just, specifically, just, specifically... Just okay. Counselor Udina for Mass Effect 3, I think, is underrated. Because here is a guy who is in position to do a whole lot of damage. And I don't think he was, he started out as a villain. He didn't start out that way. His, throughout the three Mass Effects, we got to see him grow into one, which was kind of cool. So he's starting as this politician with just 
um, his mind kind of going the wrong way, you know. And then by Mass Effect 3, he turns just total traitor. And he was in a position to... We could have gotten so more out of Counselor Rudita before he ultimately uh, met his end. Uh, because that that's just one spot where... That's just one spot. You know, the, the guy who you would have thought you thought was on your side. Like, you know he can become a villain at some point. You know he's probably going to. But, and then when he finally does, it just lasts for that amount of time. It's like, come on. So my underrated villain in an RPG will be Counselor Dina from the Mass Effect series. Mm, that's an interesting choice. Yeah. yeah. Gary. Yes. Who is your underrated villain? Underrated villain. Underrated. He doesn't get the I, respect he deserves. <laughs> I would have to say Caius Ballad from 13-2. You guys in Final Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, Gwen. If, if I pick another RPG, it will probably be an RPG that most people don't know. Pick it. Let's try it out. <laughs> I'll, okay, I'll throw out the entire Shadow Hearts franchise right now. Yeah, that game is awesome. <laughs> It is a phenomenal game, all three of them, and it's completely underrated. Hey, this every... is the RPG hour, Gary. If people don't know their RPGs, then, you know. <laughs> it's time to educate. It's time to educate. We can't spoon-feed them on just Final Fantasy, right? Got to yes. get out there and play some others. Yeah, well, okay then. Shadow Hearts. Everything have... in Shadow Hearts is underrated. I have heard of Shadow Hearts, but at a friend's advice, I didn't play it. Your oh. friend is stupid. He was... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play this for him later. Um... <laughs> He's going to be like, I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't play it. So... Tell me about it. Gary, it's your game. Go ahead. Well, the first Shadow Hearts kind of takes place uh, before uh, World War One. And it's pretty much like this fantasy game where this guy keeps hearing voices in his head, and the voices are telling him to go save this girl named Alice. And this guy, Roger Bacon, is hunting her down for whatever reason. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything in the game for you, but uh, um, the game's story is phenomenal, especially if you... When, once you get to the end, you realize like the main villain, he's he's what he's doing, he's doing it because he's trying to save lives rather than destroy them. So you don't really feel... I personally felt bad when I had to fight him at the end. But, um, like, the the characters are funny. They're all very diverse characters. I mean, you have a vampire, you have a spy, you have um, an Asian, uh, I guess, sorcerer, you can call him. You got a guy who fights hand-to-hand, and you have a Christian, uh, oh, what word am I looking for? Missionary? Anyway, a, a Christian lady, I guess. Oh, <laughs> oh, you mean Alice. Yes, I don't, what would you call her? Yeah. I don't but, know. uh, like, the, the story is really good. I, I highly recommend playing it for the story, but it's, it's, the thing that makes Shadowheart stand out is its combat system. And the combat system is called the Judgment Ring. Pretty much you get into, you know, a random battle, for example. And what happens is this ring would appear and there are three spots on the ring that you have to hit. And the, the spinner will start spinning and you have to pretty much tap X three times. 
And hmm. it, if you if you tap it three times, you know he'll do the full attack. But if you miss the first one, you, you your move will automatically miss, and you won't be able to hit two and three. I, I don't tend to buy into things like that. Like that, that feels more like an obstacle than a help. I, I don't like when I don't like when you're stuck playing mini games in order to um, progress forward. Um, but I'm definitely all for creativity with battle systems. That was the thing I liked best about Final Fantasy XIII when I played it. Um, so if they if they used it really well, I'll, I'll I'll buy into it. But I don't know those mini game type things just don't do anything for me. I wouldn't call yeah, it a mini game. Yeah. It's, it's definitely different, and I guess if you don't like that, it, it might be a hindrance to you. I know when I first started, I absolutely hated it, but then once I got used to it, it became a lot easier, and it, you pretty much got the timing down so well that you can just hit X without even knowing what when to hit it without even looking at it. But I, okay. I the, the main reason I recommend the game is, is pretty much for its story, and Shadow Hearts Covenant, which is the sequel, is actually a direct sequel to the to the first game. Mm-hmm. So, That's cool. so this yeah, is it, what I liked about the battle system. I'll just quickly add in before you take off, Gary. Is you might think it's a mini game, Glenn, but mm-hmm. it's it gives you a unique way of risk and reward. Because you know how in all kinds of RPGs you have your critical hits, but they're just you know it's just a percentage. It's like a one percent chance of getting it. This yeah. it's you have those three. Uh, spaces on the ring, and I mean you can let it spin as many times as you want. It can just go and go and go. Isn't that right, Gary? You can just let it go, or do you? Or is it just one spin? It's one spin unless you use certain items that allow you to have multiple spins. Okay, so but, but it speeds up with multiple spins. Yeah, and so there's you know you have to time it right to hit the space, but there's two. The the space has two sections. There's the normal hit, and then there's the critical hit. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, well, I could just go for normals the whole time, or I could go for crits, but that space is so much smaller. So, I mean, it doesn't, it, the the spaces are so big for the normal that it doesn't penalize you if you just want to hit every single time. But if you want to go and be like, I want to get good, it kind of gives you that opportunity to actually be good at something instead of just, let's just hit A 50,000 times. <laughs> Yeah. So. Button mashers. Button mashers. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's definitely a game that you probably haven't played before, especially in the setting. Like you know, it's kind of it's not modern time, but it's an actual time period. Mm-hmm. You know, the game takes place in Japan and China, and then it goes to Europe later on. So, it, in my opinion, the setting and like I said, the story is is phenomenal, top notch. Well, I want to I want to see more RPGs like this come to the next gen consoles because so far I, I know we're going to get some infamous comes out soon, but man I, I I feel like so far everything's been really shooter focused and we haven't heard so much about great RPGs yet. There's only three so far. Let's see: Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts, and um, Infamous. Infamous isn't an RPG though. Is it? How is Infamous how is not an RPG? That's right, you do have XP, so it is RPG. No. (laughs) No, does it have XP? I haven't played Infinite. It it does have XP. Okay, I'll I'll just say it's RPG-like. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, I, I, I'd like a, I'd like a break from all the shooter. The shooter games are cool and all, but I'd like a break from shooter games. Give us some good RPGs. I'd also like to point out what my main reason why Shadow Hearts wasn't seen by so many people is it, it was published by Midway. If you remember Midway, that is. I do. Midway. Yeah. And it was published by Midway, and the games literally, the first two games came out at the worst possible time. Uh, the first game came out the same month that Final Fantasy X did, and the second game, I believe, came out a month before Final Fantasy XII. And I think that really screwed things up, especially the second game, because the second game had so much advertisement and backing by Midway compared to the first game that it should have been noticed a lot more. But mm-hmm. this wasn't, sadly, simply because, in my opinion, Final Fantasy was coming out around the same time. So yeah. it was overlooked and overshadowed. Uh, I think I think the first Shadow Hearts didn't get a lot of press or good press is because uh, just reviewers just didn't like it uh, for some mm-hmm. weird reason. And because they compared it to Final Fantasy X. Yeah, what blows my mind, this is the one thing that I've never liked about reviews, which is ironic considering I'm now the reviews editor, um, is... Uh, the, the, no one looks back at what the game was before. It's always just like, here is the game in its own little bubble. And so like, what I mean by that is, let's say Shadow Hearts. The first Shadow Hearts on IGN got a 5.5 way yes. back in the day. And the guy, whoever it was who did it just trashed it. He hated the game. It was obvious from the first sentence. But then the second Shadow Hearts Covenant, it got like an 8.5. And it's the same game. I mean, the battle system's the same. The, everything is almost like, you know, the setting is similar. The art style's similar. I mean, like, it's not a yeah. different game. But then, poof, there's this huge gap, which kind of like, what the hell is going on here? I mean, yes, it's two different people, but it's just like, what is going on? Um, yeah, reviews are just so subjective. Yeah. Um, really, it, it comes down to whether or not the reviewer or reviewers enjoyed the game and, and what particularly they liked or disliked. So if you have two reviewers, even if it's the same game or the same franchise, you, know, you can expect gaps like that. I think sites should watch out for that. But that was so big of a gap. Um, yeah. I disagreed with it entirely. 5.5 <laughs> for the first Shadow Hearts. First Shadow Hearts was awesome. That was, game was great. It was. Like I said, I think the the story in that game was phenomenal, too. And there's a secret ending. Did you know that, Gary? Yes, I do know that. Okay. It's like one of the hardest... It's actually the, 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 the good ending to get in that game is the secret ending. And it's like one of the hardest ones to get. I tried. I couldn't do it. I was just like, why will this not spawn? Why will this not work right? It's yeah, oh, yeah. If you didn't like, I'm not gonna spoil the ending, but Shadow Hearts doesn't have a happy ending. No, it's not. <laughs> in, in 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 either the first or the second one. I never really got that far in the second, but I'll look forward to that. I'll break out the dust off the PS2. Yeah, the, the the two endings in the second one are easier to get. It's pretty much a choice you make at the end of the game, but neither one of those choices is a good choice. So. Yeah. <laughs> Which, which again no. is something I like. I'm, I'm really tired of the happy endings because, you know, real life doesn't really work that way. Pessimist. <laughs> and they try to, 
It's true. It's a Russian but pessimism, man. I prefer a happy ending, big time. To me, a sad ending pretty much is kind of like Hamlet, you know? To me, a, hap- to me a, hap- a happy ending to me kind of makes me feel like I really accomplished something. Because yeah. if I have a, it depends on how they do it. But, um, speaking naturally, um, if I have a sad ending, so say I, I'm, I'm fighting this battle, and in the end, everyone I care about dies. You know, it's like, it, it just, it just leaves me with a feeling like something is unfinished. Like, I didn't do everything I was supposed to do. Um, and there's, there's room for sad endings, but you have to be careful with how you do them. Um, I, th- I think Mass Effect was trying for a, a little sadness in their original ending, but in doing so, they <laughs> kind of screwed everything else up. And the the ending for Killzone Shadowfall is, um, no spoilers intended, not a great, not a happy ending. But I think in doing so again, they screwed everything up because I hated the the, end, the ending for Shadowfall. It just felt really inconclusive. So. There's room for sad endings, but it, it, I, I personally think sad endings bring out more more emotion than than happy endings. They can, they can. Yeah. So then, here's a question for you guys, because you're talking about endings, and Gary, you said that you know there's two endings for Shadow Hearts Covenant, and it's basically a dialogue choice. Then we talk about Mass Effect. What do you guys think about your game, RPGs in particular, that they say choices matter, but then the ending kind of says your choice didn't matter at all? What Mass Effect? On that? Like Mass Effect. Or Walking Dead and such, like for the Telltale fans. I, well, to tell the truth, with Mass Effect, I was somewhat able to separate myself from that because I had just played an awesome game. Let's be honest, Mass Effect 3 was really great. And um, so when it came to the ending, yes, I hated the ending, but I wasn't mad. Well, I wasn't mad, but I I wasn't unhappy with the ending because uh, of my choices not mattering. I was unhappy because it left me with more questions than answers. And it was just so inconclusive, and it was just, you know, what? well, you know, they're out in space, okay, all of these... Um, mass effect, these mass relays are gone. So, what happens? Are they all just stuck wherever they landed? What about all the people that are still stuck on planet Earth that shouldn't be there? You know, so, I, it wasn't so much, it, it wasn't so much that, it was more that they just didn't answer all the questions in their quest to provide a sad, or, I guess, a, a thought-provoking ending. I, I have to agree with you on that one, Glenn. I think, Giving players so many choices to make, you know, throughout the game, developers kind of forget some of the things they talked about earlier. Like, say, take Walking Dead, for example. There's a lot of decisions I made in The Walking Dead that, you know, like in Episode 1 and 2, but in 3 and 4, I got, like, zero resolution to to the decisions I made. And it really kind of frustrated me. And I think... Personally, I don't like having to make decisions in, in games, like, you know, the multiple decisions that you have to make or how you respond to things. I, I prefer the more linear path because then, you know, the writer of the game or the developer 
can tell the story that they came up with. Why, whereas if, if I have to make these kinds of big decisions all the time, it's not really technically their story anymore. It, it's my story. And yeah. I don't want to play the story that's in my head. I want to play the story that's in their head, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, to an ex- I, I think it's still their story, but they give you more freedom to decide where the story goes. Yeah, but, yeah, but see, then it goes back to what Dane said, where the ending is always going to be the same no matter what. So yeah. what's the point of making me make all these decisions where yeah. you have your mind set on one? I mean, is it developing like 15 different endings that you don't want to do? So there you are, just one, you know? Yeah, there are some games that actually do it really well. Um, <laughs> Persona is one of them because your choices really do decide the paths of the entire game, um, at least yeah. as far as I But, and, but then you have to also, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say then there's Infamous where your choices affect, uh, goodness, a lot of things. They they affect the main character's attitude, his look. They affect how the um, world looks around you. But they don't really have that much of effect of an effect on of the ultimate result of the story. It'll it'll affect some story things, um, some paths there, but it doesn't affect the ultimate story. So some games really do kind of do it pretty well. Yes, yeah, so but then it goes back to like, do you want to replay the game four or five times to see all those endings, or are you just going to get on the line and look at them that way? Because like, take Persona Four for that; it's a fantastic game. But you know, say that it had, for example, if it had a seven different endings, are you going to replay the game seven times to see all those endings, or are you just going to go online and look at them? For me, um, I went online and looked at them, but only out of curiosity. I, I didn't feel the need to. I don't. I didn't feel a need to go back and experience the other endings because I was really happy with the ending that I got. I was like, okay, so this is my game. This is the pathway that I want to take, and I took it. And I don't know. I just felt really satisfied with it. So the only reason I, I felt that I wanted to go back for the second ending was the uh, was just curiosity. Speaking of Persona's multiple endings, Atlas, did you guys play Catherine yet? Uh, I played it, never finished it. My roommate played it, and I watched it, so I didn't feel like I had to. There, there's like six, there's like nine different endings to that game. Yeah. And apparently, now this is the thing that I, 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 about this debate is, the game's dialogue actually changes during the game depending on your alignment so if you're like in the neutral ground then the voice acting is going to be like you don't get the pick it's just going to do what it wants depending on your alignment so all the movies change and what the guy what's said changes with it which i think makes choices matter when you're playing the game like do i want to do this do i want to do that um and then you have the nine different endings, three for each alignment, uh, depending on the choices you make. Uh, and they, they do matter. I think my beef is it's when the games, when the companies tell you continuously, there's all these choices that will tailor the game, like, like Walking Dead. It even says in the game, the choices you make will tailor your experience. But it really doesn't because, well, you know, like for example, the first episode of season one there's like when you're at Herschel's farm and he's like Herschel remember this he doesn't he's gone in like five minutes I mean (laughs) like 
what does it matter if he remembers that I lied, that I was on a, I was in the back of a, a cop car? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, but apparent, but they, they keep telling you, oh, your choices are gonna matter, it's gonna matter. No, it doesn't matter. I mean, people, the same people are gonna die no matter what I do. Uh, I even went through it a second time on the Vita just for the trophy, only for the trophy, and I did the opposite of everything. And, okay, yeah, spoilers, spoilers, one thing did change, maybe, uh, I don't know yet, but, one thing didn't. Ben still dies, no matter what. Spoiler alert. No matter what, Ben's gonna die. Yeah. So it's like, do you want him to die by your hand by dropping him down a bell tower and letting him get eaten to death? Or do you want him to die falling off of a grate trying to jump onto a building? Uh, so, it, you know, it doesn't change the experience. I mean, he's gonna die. It, so. it sounds like the core of the problem lies less with the game itself and, and the choices in the game itself, and more with the marketing of the developers and publishers. Yes. Because it, it, it feels like it comes down to don't make a promise that you're not going to deliver on. You know, we know that you want people to play your game and experience your game, and we know that you probably put some thought into these decision things, but if they're not really uh, such pivotal moments in the game, then don't promise that because you're going to leave people disappointed. And it goes to, like, with Mass Effect, again, um, even going through 1, 2, and 3, I think there's only one choice that really matters, and that is, do you save Ashley, or do you save, what's his name? Kaiden? Uh, I, I don't think even that matters, because either way, you still have another character. That, the only reason it really matters is, okay, who's better for me in combat? I mean, or, or who's my girlfriend or boyfriend? It's It's... I don't think keeping or not keeping either one of them had too much of an effect on the game whatsoever. I, I, I think it had an effect in this in the fact that you had a real consequence. Like, okay, let's say I choose Ashley and Caden dies. Caden's never coming back. There is no replacement for Caden. Uh, now you could say, oh well, they just replace each other. But there is, there's no like in the next scene in the next game. There's not going to be someone who's like. Oh, Caden didn't live, uh, so we're just gonna give this no-name NPC as him. Like, from Mass Effect 2 to 3, if Grunt dies, then you're still gonna do that same plotline. It's just, instead of Grunt there, it's random NPC number one. Mm-hmm. So, there's no consequence if he either dies. Uh, there's no lasting effect. Uh, and that's except for Ashley and Kaden, for my example, because they're dead for good. Uh, so, well, it, it it does sound kind of the same to me. The only difference is instead of NPC number one, they like you were you were t- saying they replace each other. So instead of, I mean, say it was Grunt and Garrus, and 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 Grunt dies, then Garrus would just replace Grunt. You know, so it. it it's still, I get what you're saying, but it still feels the same. It, it, there is a lot more feeling of consequence because you're not forced to choose one or the other. Like, if you lose Grunt, you just lose Grunt, you know? And you're not, you're not forced to choose Grunt. Okay, is it Grunt or Garrus? You just lose Grunt. Yeah, oh, so, I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm just saying that's like the only example I can think of in the yeah. game, right? Which isn't even the best example. So, it goes to the fact that choices don't matter. My choices mean nothing in Mass Effect whatsoever. Well, it it matters if the characters that remain with you or not. Yeah. Like I said with Garrett, 
I think, um, oh, what was I going to say? Carry on. My brain's not working today, guys. I'm sorry. Like, like you guys talk about Mass Effect, and it just starts reminding me of Dragon Age. And I don't know if you guys played Dragon Age, but, you know, they had the decisions Bioware. But the ending in Dragon Age, you know, you still have to go fight you know, the final boss. But depending on the decisions you made, depends on who's going to join you. you. You'll you have a party of six, but when you or, or seven, I believe it is. When you get to the end of the game, you can only have three people with you because the other guys will just abandon you depending on your decisions and what you made. Mm-hmm. But where's the lasting effect, though? I mean, the the, the point with Mass Effect and uh, Walking Dead is there are there were games, I guess, for Mass Effect, or there will be games where supposedly the choices will matter, but they haven't so far. But Dragon Age 1, uh, with your example, you're right. If I choose to support Loghain, then what's-his-name is going to leave. If I don't shack up with Morgan at the end, well, then she will leave. But that's the very end of the game. And then... Yeah. okay, But it's, it's, every decision you make leading up to that this is what's going to determine that. What um, happens? Really? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. As far as I remember, there's a lot of decisions where if I didn't agree with Morgan... On a lot of things that I actually didn't agree with her on, personally, I had to agree with her in the game in order to keep her at the end of the game to get the the best ending, I believe it was. To get the best ending in Dragon Age, you pretty much had to have Morgan because she, she she's a huge part of the story in that game, even even though she's not in 2, which I think, and, and I think that's also the problem with 2, is it really didn't have anything to do with 1, which, again made every decision you made in one kind of pointless in two. I think um, Sucker Punch and Infamous have started to see kind of the the things that you guys are talking about with choices in games, because in Infamous 1, and did you say you haven't played Infamous, um, Dave? I've played it. Not two, played but it? i played one. In one, you have these karma choices. So the game will literally stop and you will be faced with this pivotal decision. And in two, you know, not so much. There were still important decisions to make. Um, like, you know, there's an annoying guy banging on a drum on the street corner. Do I kill him or do I let him live, you know? And, and so that was an evolution of, you know, stopping the game and facing you with a pivotal decision and just focusing on what you would want to do as the gamer. You know, if you're playing good, chances are you're going to let the guy who's banging on the drum live as annoying as he may be. And um, for Infamous Second Son, they're continuing that. They're they're focusing less on these pivotal decisions and more on just the decisions you naturally make as a gamer. So there will be a guy, for instance, who's who might be in your line of fire and he might put his hands up in surrender and you have, at, with with no further prompt, you have the choice to kill him or let him go. And that's 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 what the uh, morality system in, in from the second son is going to be based off of instead of these giant decisions that may or may not affect, affect the outcome of the game. But I think it goes back to your point, Glenn, where it's the marketing. Where Infamous, that wasn't the the part of the game that was being glamorized. Uh, by the media and by the company. It's just not, it's just part of it. 
whatever. But Walking Dead, Mass Effect, such, it's, they kept saying, oh, your choices are going to matter. But it didn't. So yeah. I think I think it's all down to marketing. Exactly, is exactly what you said. It comes down to marketing. I think if I I can pretty much bet you that if uh, Bioware never said a word at all about choices mattering in in the entire series, then it would not have had as as crazy of a fallout with their ending. If they never said a single word about choices mattering, then it would have been like okay, whatever. The ending's what it is. Um. Well, so I still but think people would have been upset about the ending sucking like it did. Well, but. Probably, but not to as great of an extent. Yeah. Because they get your hopes up, right? Mm-hmm. So the media machine gets your hopes up, and then that's why I'm not really too uh, excited about Walking Dead Season 2. Uh, I mean, I loved the first season. It was my game of the year. It barely beat out XCOM Enemy Unknown uh, just because of the storyline. But... I'm not going to buy that game until it's on sale because I know from experience, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Yeah. Fool me once, shame on you. I know my choices aren't going to matter that much. So mm-hmm. people are going to die are going to die regardless. Uh, so, I mean, spoiler, Lee's probably dead. If they could show me that Lee could survive, then I would then I would be on board. But Lee's <laughs> going to be dead no matter what. Even though the, my first run through... I, I shot him. My second run through, I had Clementine just leave him. So even though I had him chop his arm off both times, so because I hope spoiler alert, right? Spoiler alert, because that was my <laughs> that was my thing. I'm like, oh man, something's gonna happen, you know, maybe. But then it's like oh, sad. So although to it's be fair, to be fair, I want to see what they do with 400 days because 400 days. My choices actually did matter in the sense of who, spoiler alert, uh, joins you at the end. So, mm-hmm. well, apparently the 400 days uh, is supposed to move over to season two. So whoever lived in 400 days should still be alive in season two, and those who died will not. Be. Did, did you play season two? I mean, did no, you, I, I mean, did you play 400 days? That's just what I read. Okay, so what happened? Did you play 400 Days, Glenn? No, sir. Is this your I'm a poor student excuse? No, I just <laughs> haven't heard of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> 400 Days is like their DLC for, for Walking Dead Season 1. And um, I got it from the Halloween sale because it came with the Vita bundle. Um, what happens is it's five stories. They have nothing to do with each other. And uh, basically... They all live until the end. And spoilers, super spoilers. Uh, <laughs> I should, we should just say this, the end this of every podcast, right? It's a spoiler cast. It's a walking into spoiler <laughs> cast. Um, so <laughs> then they, and, and then at the end of it, they will, you're this other character who finds this group. And those are all the, the five characters from, from 400 days. And then from your choices as them individually, and from how you talk to them as this recruiter, because that's what she is, she's recruiting you to join this camp, determines who will join her and who will not. Now, some, it's entirely based upon what you do in their individual chapter, and some, it's a mix of what you do or 
if you chose wrong, like as in they won't join you, you could convince them through your dialogue choices. So I will give credit for that. Uh, I do like that. But as for the main first season, whoever lives is going to live. Whoever dies is going to die. So uh, we'll see. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that those choices matter in season two. I really am. Because if they do, I'll be, like, converted completely. <laughs> so. So switching gears just a second. We, I, I'm just realizing we've gone over um, – Overrated and underrated villains. Yes. We haven't gone over overrated and underrated heroes yet. And we're only an hour and a half into this one hour podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Look at that. Two hour special, guys. <laughs> You're getting your money's worth. Um, I would say uh, overrated heroes. Um, for brevity's sake, let's just stick with overrated heroes. Um, Glenn, who is your overrated hero? My overrated hero would have to be, oh goodness, what's his name? The guy from, um, the guy from the Pokemon games. I, I can't, I don't remember Ash. what they call him. Etchum? No, not Ash, because Ash wasn't actually, he wasn't actually in the Pokemon games in any huge capacity. He was in the Pokemon anime, but Ash wasn't in the Pokemon games in any huge capacity. You mean yourself? Yeah, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever you are, you are un- you are an overrated. Creating your own character is the most overrated. <laughs> <laughs> you are the most overrated hero in games. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the, the main guy was Red, right? He started the whole thing, and then even in the next couple versions of Pokemon, you, know, you beat the Elite Four. And, and somewhere along the way, Red shows up, and, and you get to fight him. And it, it, you get this—you get this feeling of an untold story, like you're facing some kind of legend, but you don't know anything about him. And it's like this feels like this should be the guy who's the hero, not whoever, not whoever I am. I don't even know my own. I—I I, I named myself. My parents didn't even name me. I named myself. You know, so. I think red should be, I think red should be a little more prominent. I mean, well, I, I can't, I can't say should be because those games are over. They're going in a completely different direction, um, as far as, as character cast goes. But, um, I think that red should be, should have been more prominent in those earlier Pokemon games. So we got red from Glenn. Gary. Yeah. Um, I would have to say Chrono from Chrono Trigger. Oh, now that's a controversial choice. <laughs> I'll get the fans speaking. Why Chrono? Um, personally, I think it's not the character. That's I think it's the the game made him so overrated because you know he's it, it's it's been a while since I played the game. I just everybody always talks about Chrono, but nobody really knows anything about the character. I mean. I don't remember. Does he talk in the game? I don't think he talks, He's does he? He's Goku. He doesn't need to talk. <laughs> He's Goku. Exactly. See, he transforms into a Super Saiyan anyway, so it doesn't matter. No, but I, don't, I don't know. He doesn't talk I, I at all, yeah. Yeah, see, I think... I, I guess it's not just Krohn. I think it's every main character that doesn't talk becomes, like, the super popular character, especially back in the old RPGs. But I don't know. I think 
to me, to me, Chrono just seems very overrated because everybody always talks about you know Chrono Trigger and they want a remake of Chrono Trigger and nobody can really tell me why except well the main character was cool. I'm like, what made him so cool? You know, he was just a guy who had Goku's hair and a sword. <laughs> you know how overrated he is. You don't even need to. You can beat the game without him. That's how overrated he is. There you go. He can die in his own game, and you can choose <laughs> not to revive him, and still beat the game. That's how, that's how overrated. That is. That is kind of overrated. <laughs> so it's like, what are you here for? So, um. We don't need a main character. Yeah, we don't need a main character. It's like, I'll choose, I'll go and Superman the world, and then, okay, I'll stay dead. Cause my, the, the gamer just hates me. <laughs> don't get me wrong, I love Chrono Trigger. It's, it's a fantastic game, but the, the main character in general is just, he's just an average character. Like, I don't see why he's so popular and overrated. Goku. I can, I can bet you. Because of Goku. Goku. It, it's, it's, so it's Akira Toriyama's fault. Yeah, it's, exactly. Okay, he really does. It's overrated. <laughs> the guy, whoever designed this must be the same guy that designed Goku. Looks it just it's like exactly. Toriyama. Yeah. If I'm pronouncing his name right. The face and everything just looks just like those Dragon Ball Z characters. Well, well, yeah, a, check out Dragon Quest Seven. I was gonna say that if I got all <laughs> the old Dragon Quest games from Japan on my shelf, and it's just all of his artwork. Well, the one that came out on PS2 was it that seven or oh. eight? I don't know. The PS2 was eight. Well, in English, it was eight. No, 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 no. no. Oh, PS2. Yeah, PS2 was eight, I believe. Okay, yeah, like, he has a super form where he transforms, and he literally goes super sane. The aura and everything appears, your hair gets all spiky up, and set it down. <laughs> okay. He literally uh, just transforms. So here's a, here's something then, okay, we call this show the Racial Diversity Gaming Hour. Um, that's actually, you know, you brought, we were talking about Akira and Goku and all of his characters, and this is something that I read, and it blew my mind. Because I don't know if this person was serious or if he's just trolling or what. But someone said that Dragon Ball Z is propaganda for for white supremacy. <laughs> I'll do you. I'll do you one better. Someone said that Portal Two was some kind of form of homosexual recruitment. So. Now here's what's even crazier about this, Glenn, is I like I read this because I thought like okay I read the whole article and this the guy just puts it in there. Um, and this was like a Korean guy about his experience being a a Korean American and, and stuff. It was it was an interesting piece, but I'm just like wow, Dragon Ball is racial supremacy, white supremacy. But then like okay, if you left it that like fine. But then in the comments. There are people like so staunchly supporting that that yes, of course, it's white supremacy because when <laughs> he turns Super Saiyan, his skin gets whiter and his hair turns blonde. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I'm like, really? That's all it takes to be considered white supremacy? It has so... nothing to do with the fact that it might have been cheaper to ink that way or. 
or something, or that Japanese people skin color is already white. I mean, Guys, don't now, don't be now, don't now, be when racist. Did this, when did they start talking? <laughs> was this after Frieza or before Frieza? Well, this 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 article was just like a couple weeks ago. This isn't this isn't like from ten years ago. This is like circa now. Because if if anybody knows, um, Akira Toriyama wanted to stop Dragon Ball after the Frieza saga. Mm-hmm. That was it for him. It's his the the people that he was working with pretty much like Kojima with his fans, except it wasn't the fans; it was the people. Who, they pretty much pushed him into continuing the story. So, if you want to talk about it, technically, if if they wouldn't have done it, Dragon Ball Z would have ended with Frieza. So then, how would that have been? I don't know. I'm just thinking like that's why I asked: Is it because of the entire saga, or is it? Well, from comment, well, in the actual article, he never actually explained it. He just said white supremacy. He never went into detail. So I'm like, what? What? It's like I had to double take. But in the comments, it was the basically the only the only reason was because they get whiter and their hair turns blonde, uh, like golden blonde ish. Oh, and their eyes turn blue is what this person said as well. And like I'm like, and then and then in the comments, people are like, "Well, their eyes technically turn green or jade, and it's all about um, it's based off of Journey to the West, and that character Goku from Journey to the West, mm-hmm. or I think Goku's his name in that or something." Which I actually played. There's actually a video game by Koei, Journey to the West. It's all about yes. it. Um, it's the Monkey King, so that's why they have a tail. <laughs> So, yeah, that's what he was based on in the first place in the original Dragon Ball. Yeah, so flies on cloud. <laughs> so which which is interesting because like, and then someone pointed out that their super final final form, their hair turns black. So then it's super like, Saiyan four. Yeah, yeah. So and then this kind of goes into what we were talking about the other day, Glenn, with um, blackface. Yeah, and stuff. So like, okay, so the guy. So you draw a character, and then he goes superpower, and you make him whiter. So that's white supremacy. But then if like so you made him blacker, is that black supremacy, or is that blackface, or is that bad? You know, it's like people people spend so much time reading into things and stumbling over their own two feet, jumping to conclusions. I seriously doubt that any of this was a big deal. Listen, guys, there's there's not some hidden message in each and every little game, okay? It's it's character design. The character looks cool. That chances are that's all there was to it, okay? Yeah. There's there's no little hidden. Not everything is about you know racial dominance over another race. Not everything is about recruitment for one belief or another. Okay, it's just a game. You're supposed to play games to have fun. Start having fun. Aren't we all human anyway? Human. If, if they want to say that, they can say that about anime then, because how often do you see a black character in any anime? Dude, I tried to, I tried to go to a <laughs> no, con. Man. I tried to go to a convention with some friends, and, and they were gonna cosplay. And I wanted to cosplay too, so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna cosplay with you. And I'm just like, wait, what am I gonna, pl- what am I gonna cosplay? <laughs> Who's there? Like, there are a few, there are a few random black guys in Dragon Ball Z with like huge lips, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Yeah. But they're totally unknown. I have, 
it's it's all it's not it's not this big a deal, guys. It's not this big a deal. It's just it's hilarious. Uh when you were talking about uh lack of black characters in anime, Gary, first one that came to mind was Wesley Snipes. It <laughs> um it bought what was that? Fighting Spirit, I think is the name of the anime. Have you guys ever heard of it? Nuh-uh. No. Okay, um, it's this boxing anime. I think it's called Fighting Spirit. The fans can tweet me and say, can correct me if I'm wrong. And the guy at one point, the hero, he has to box against, uh, this black guy. And he looks exactly like Wesley Snipes. It's exactly, you're, you're, you're boxing Wesley Snipes. It's exact, I was watching it with a bunch of friends. I wasn't the only one who thought that. I was like, wow. So, so it was funny. Um, there I mean, is no it, it's like I, I hear a lot of people and they bring this back to gaming they say well there's a lack of racial diversity in video games but you have to think about well where do a lot of them come from they come from japan and you know it's to me you would think it'd be obvious that you look at anyone from japan their skin is white so of course naturally the majority of the characters they make or design are going to be white in skin color. So it's just, if if the whole country was, uh, their entire skin color was red, I wonder what color the characters would be made. I mean, that just, to me, would seem like common sense. And what's interesting is a lot of the time they don't typically um, identify the characters as Asian, which they are. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I was just thinking it would be cool if they made an Asian character. It's like, wait, they are kind of Asian. <laughs> so yeah, they, they, I don't think they're concerned with any of that stuff because I mean, they don't, they don't make a big deal of it at all. All their characters are just characters, and they're pretty darn good characters too. Yeah. Interesting how only us in the West care about of course. it. By the fact that we're even talking about it right here. Of course. By the so, fact that we're called the Racial Diversity Gaming Hour. <laughs> and we hardly talk about it yet. <laughs> we hardly talk about it. <laughs> Amazing. So, Dane, what about you? What's your most overrated hero? Uh, overrated? RPG or any game? Why don't you just go any game? Um. <laughs> wow. I don't know. Ha! Uh, now you don't. feel, now you feel the struggle. Uh, I, I feel <laughs> that oppressive struggle of not knowing who, who is overrated. You're completely right, Glenn. <laughs> I'm, I'm not alone! I'm, I'm trying, uh, I'm looking around sure. my room at all my various posters and I'm trying to think, is this person overrated? But then I'm like, these are all comic book characters, so. <laughs> <laughs> that won't work too well. I, I'm um, sure somebody in the comments will will throw down cloud. Someone in the comments will throw down something. Um, They'll throw down cloud. Everybody throws down cloud. You know, it's funny. A lot of people, if they chose Resident Evil, they would say Leon. Although one of my students in Japan was infatuated, was in love with Leon. She was, which was... I can say Leon, too. It was, I mean, was awesome. Um, the guy I, becomes... More badass in Resident Evil 7 than Kratos ever was, man. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. I, I gotta think. Who <laughs> did I not like? Who did I think got a better... You could have liked him. He just became overrated. Well, I never actually ever liked God of War, which is funny. 
<laughs> so I can't I can't fairly say Kratos because it's not that I think it's overrated. It's just I don't like God of War. Mm. So I have to think of the games that I've played. Who do I think is overrated? Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna get some maybe some abuse for this, and I gotta go back to Final Fantasy. <laughs> not Cloud. Not Cloud. I'm not saying Cloud. I'm going to Final Fantasy three. I am going to say Terra. Man, you really hate that game, don't you? <laughs> I, I, nope. Nobody talks about that game. You know this, right? <laughs> I guess so. I Everybody just always talks about 4 and 7. I hear I hear 7 and 10. You hear 7 and 10? I hear 7 and six 10. 6 is so overlooked, three. man. I don't know. I love 6. I, I, but please, I just, Yeah, I love. I like 6. I loved 6 when I was younger. I think two is the best of them all. That's my <laughs> opinion. Um, oh, mostly I... because I played two. F- well, okay, I played one first and two second, of course. But just the story spoke to me. The characters I enjoyed more. Um, we'll get into that debate in a second, Gary. Um, I just think Terra is overrated because the whole series, the whole storyline, is based around her, but she doesn't do much. So. Um, it's like, hey, look at me. I'm an Esper, but then I do nothing. So maybe because it's the fact that you can choose not to be her. So like, I don't have to be Terra if I don't want to. But it just seems so much the story is based around her that I'm like, I just never bought into it. Yeah, I, I remember reading a interview a long time ago about six or three, whatever you want to call it. That their goal with, with that was to technically not have a main character and that the whole cast was important. That's why they, they gave it the option to remove the main character from, from the team, which I, I'm pretty sure you know in most RPGs, you can't really get rid of the main character. Except Chrono. <laughs> Except Chrono. <laughs> you can literally kill him off if you don't like him. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you that it is untraditional now, or even back in the day. Yeah, it's like you can, you can choose not to be that, but it just seems that so much of the story, even though you can choose not to be her, is about her. So, with the whole espers and everything. So, it just seems like, okay, if I don't like her, then I'm going through this whole story, or if I don't use her, I'm going through this whole story, in the beginning at least. Like pre end of the world that is all about her and her history and her people, but I don't, you know, if I don't use her, then what's the point of this? So, but you're right, like after the end of the world, then it seems like everyone gets their breakout moment. And then, like, when they separate for the first time, when you, when you first join the outsiders, people seem to have their breakout moment, but it's still, the major, major plot point is the Espers, which is all about her. So. Makes sense. So, maybe, maybe I'm too overly critical. I will admit, I never thought about it. I'm just putting something out on my head, so I'm basically <laughs> trying to defend something I don't really know much. I'm putting too much faith into, so that's my tentative, tentative one. It doesn't have to be a character you hate. You can love that character. You just have to agree that they're overrated. Yeah. Like Sephiroth for me. I love Sephiroth, but he's just overrated. I 
Yeah, I would go with that too. But like, what does he do? He shivs someone in the back twice. That's yeah, see, the, the guy is just simply pissed off because he didn't come out of his mom's happy place. If he did not shank Arius in the back, no one would care about him. Like that—that's his big thing. Exactly. You're absolutely right. If that never happened, then people probably wouldn't remember him the way they do. That—that that made him more evil in people's opinion than Kefka destroying the world. Like, how does that make sense? You know what I hated most about him was how you could get his sword and not use it. Because <laughs> when he kills, when he offs the Shinra president, it's like, look at this giant sword that is bigger than clouds, well, in length. But no, no, we'll just leave it there. We won't think to actually use it. I'm like, come on, man. It's the Masamune or something. I'm like, but... Yeah, see, to I'm, me, the main the main villain of Seven is the Shinra Corporation. It's not Seven Up. Uh, they just needed the one guy. Uh, so here, I got a question for you, because I know technically you can't get Eris back in the game, but why can you still get gear for her afterwards with special items once she's dead? Um, I honestly don't. I know you can get her back in the PC version. I know there's, a, like, some code for it to do it. But I honestly have no idea. Apparently there were rumors going around that there's some super secret way in order to get her back, even though, like, her and the story wasn't going to matter anymore. Yeah. But, like, as a playable character, she you can still level her up, do whatever you... you I think you can even use her in a final battle. But I, I have no idea if there's any merit to it. Yeah, because I, cause I know, like, once she's dead, there was a boss I fought... And then it dropped an item, like a wand, for her. I'm like, well, none of my characters can use this. So why did I get this useless item? Yeah, so, it might have just been one of those things where, you know, they they planned to keep her around. But they then, changed it. Yeah, and then the program just forgot to remove it or something. So that's probably one of the reasons why the, the, the myth stayed for so long. It's just... Yeah, I, I know you could get her back if you had a... God, what was it? I think it was like Game Genie. Did they still do Game Genie for PS1? The the Game Shark? Yeah, the Game Shark and Game Genie, whatever those were. Yeah. yeah I think you can get her back with that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, but then it's not the real game. Yeah, I know. Faker, with <laughs> your 99 lives in Super Mario. <laughs> 99 lives. Oh, Game Genie. All right. Um, so, that's a good two hours. Literally, it's almost two hours for this podcast. <laughs> Why are we calling ourselves the Gaming Hour? We should just call it the Gaming Marathon every time. <laughs> so, if anyone... So, I can go. Yeah. If anyone is still listening to this point, thank you very much. Um, so thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Racial Diversity Gaming Hour. Uh, Gary, do you want to give any shout-outs to the fans and viewers at home and on the internet? Uh, just the same people as always. Uh, my family, friends. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I'd like to thank the Academy for this award and all the little people. Hey, that's my line. Alright, you can, you can do it better, Glenn. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Okay, and where can they reach you, Gary? Uh, at uh, Gary at PSU dot com email, or you can email me personally on G A G L A U S H 
at gmail.com. Right. Excellent. And Glenn, any shout outs? Where can the people reach you at home? Um, shout outs. Let's see. No new ones, I suppose. Just a shout out to everyone who's listening, everyone who's made PSU what it is, and everyone who found this brand new podcast and liked it like I do. Um, big shout out to you. Um, of course, a site like PSU and a podcast like ours would be nothing without its listeners. And um, as for how you can reach me, you can find me on Twitter at GoGlen, at G-O-G-L-E-N-N, with an underscore at the end. Um, that's Twitter. Or you can send me an email at glenn.gordon at psu.com. All right, excellent. And again, thank you so much, fans and viewers, for listening, for sticking around for the whole two hours. Uh, it's probably going to be uh, par for the course. We say it's a gaming hour, but it could be one hour, two hours. We might even do three hours sometime. Hey, you'd be surprised. Um, as a, I'm actually a wrestling fan, and I listen to this guy called Solomonster. Solomonster sounds off. Uh, shout out to you, Solomonster. He, um, he can sometimes go on for... Depending on the content, two, two and a half hours, and people will listen. There you go. And it's free. And it's free. And it's free. So thank you, fans and viewers. Uh, Remember, uh, you can reach me at LaSombraFiles, L-A-S-O-M-B-R-A-F-I-L-E-S. Or you can reach me by my email, dane.smith at psu.com. So if you have any comments, any questions, uh, any topics for our next episode of the Racial Diversity Gaming Hour. Tweet them to me. And remember, for all the music aficionados, remember to tweet your answers for the music at the start of the podcast. So, for KGB Gary, for the Commissioner Glenn Gordon, and for Ernest, don't call me a girl, Lynn, who is sadly sick today, who will join us next time. I am your host with the most, Dane Smith, saying good night, Good gaming, and don't be a racist. <laughs>